On today's episode of Complicated Conversations, we are thrilled to welcome back Annabelle Monahan to discuss her new summer sensation, Same Time Next Summer. Annabelle is the author of Indie Next and Library Reads Pick, Nora Goes Off Script, as well as two young adult novels, and Does This Volvo Make My Butt Look Big, a selection of laugh-out-loud columns that appeared in the Huffington Post, The Week, and The Rye Record. She lives in Rye, New York, with her family. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. We are so excited. We talked to you a little bit about this book last year when we were ta- talking about Nora Goes Off Script. You were already planning it and well into the process of this book. Is that right? Yeah. I think that probably last time we talked, I was just finishing it mm. because I'm mm. currently just finishing <laughs> my 2024 June book. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, and what happens is, is in this moment, I am terrible about, I don't really know how to talk about the book I'm just finishing. And so last yeah. summer, when we talked about same time next summer, I probably was just rambling about that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, your excitement was, uh, we caught on to it and Good. you were like, I'll get it down by next year. So let's hear the elevator pitch for same time next summer. Oh my gosh, I know how to say it. (laughs) I'm I'm ready. (laughs) I've rehearsed it. Um, So this is the story of Sam Holloway, who is a 30-year-old woman who returns to her parents' beach house with her fiancé to look at a wedding venue. And when she gets there, she finds that the boy who broke her heart when she was a teenager is living next door. Except that he's not a boy anymore. He's a grown man, and he has a guitar And his name's Wyatt, and he's so (laughs) cute. Anyway, so they go, it goes back and forth um, in time between what happened when they were teenagers, what's happening with them now, and it sort of unravels what had happened to their blow up their relationships and their families um, so many years ago. Mm. Yes. So good. You got it down for sure. Thank you. Uh, Took me a year. I'm very. There you go. I do think it's the hardest part. But uh, so let's start with Sam. Um, she is, as you said, is 30 years old. She's about to be married. She has everything going for her personally and professionally, it seems. Uh, she lives by rules, which I really relate to, and predictability, just like the HR consulting firm that she works for. Yep. And if you'll indulge me for a moment here, when we spoke last time about Nora, I said that she reminded me of one of my favorite movie characters of all time, which is Erica Barry in Something's Gotta Give. I said she was, mm. I pictured her in the tea house, writing from her wounds, throwing the tissues, the whole thing. Yep. And when Corinne and I covered that movie, my takeaway from it, my personal takeaway was that sometimes you need to get the scissors out and cut your turtleneck off and let yourself come undone. And once again, with Sam, you brought me back to Erica Barry because by the end, you know, she really grows and finds herself loosening the buttons and shedding layers. So I want to read a part that made me think of Erica Barry. So you wrote, and this is from Sam's point of view. I have in my mind the image of someone in a very long dress with buttons that go all the way up to her neck. She looks regal and polished, and she can't quite breathe. I look down at my sandals and wonder if it's okay to just undo the top button every once in a while without your life falling apart. 
just this imagery for me of the buttons. Clearly, I have it a might thing even be about better than the turtleneck. You don't want to cut uh, the whole actually, turtleneck. You're just going to unloosen. Unbutton just to loosen it because you're, it's, it gets to your voice and the constricting of yourself and your person. So, so tell me about the development of Sam and sort of how you came to know what her arc or, or what point maybe in your writing that you knew this was sort of her, her arc. Well, this was a messy write. I wrote this book. Mm. I can't even tell you how many times I wrote this book. Oh, um, wow. From all first person, all third person, back and forth in time wow. between her perspective and Wyatt's perspective. It was ridiculous. I think I wrote it four times before I understood who she was. Mm-hmm. And before I really understood that this was a story about identity creation. So like, if you imagine that you're a little kid, you know, you're like nine years old and you're sort of just this free, essential self, like you're just life force energy. And then you get your heart broken by life. You know, the fifth grade girls, the sixth grade girls, some boy breaks your heart, your family breaks your heart. And it shapes you. And you. I think a lot of people kind of put on armor to get back out into the world. And that's what happened to Sam. Her whole life blew up. And the only way that she could come back from that and cope was to become a person who would never run any kind of risk to have any surprises happen again. So she chooses a guy who is, you know, he's very much like, this is what our life's going to look like. Very predictable. Jack. Very, Jack. Very predictable job. And she stays away from her parents' beach house because in the summer... You unbutton some buttons. Literally. <laughs> you connect back with that person that you used to be. So she kind of stays away from the beach house. Yes. So yeah. I want to talk more about this, what you're talking about, the heartbreak shapes identity, because I think it's a really, I, I never thought of it that way. And it's very true that sometimes our reactions that you're, as you're saying, the armor is something else that happens to us and we try to protect against that going through our whole lives doing that instead of kind of seeing what comes next or you know we just put on the armor and just march forward yeah for for me uh, this is not just true in love i became a lawyer and ignored my true desire to write stories because my childhood heartbreak was around money but it, it was exactly when you said this, I was like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Wow. But then the work is also figuring out which is the armor and figuring out which is like the core identity, because I also didn't become a CPA. Right? I became a lawyer. It suited me. But right. I was not. It was really about the heartbreak of the money around my house and not about who I was, even though it suited me. So it's like this. Can you live an authentic life if you're just wearing this armor how do you like what's the dance i don't know i I think that the happiest people are probably living their most authentic lives but i mean i you know i had a lot of heartbreak growing up around money i became an investment banker yeah when i tell you Mm -hmm. that god did not design me an investment banker like what but i i did that i did that job i got an mba i did that job again um and i thought that what I was doing was assuring that I was going to be an okay adult. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be okay. And Mm -hmm. when your goal is to just be okay, your goal is not to thrive, to be your best self, to use like, 
you know, it's it's risky to use your gifts if your gifts aren't, you know, brain surgery because yes, you right, don't know yes. that you're going to be able to take yeah. care of yourself. People need to have their like essential needs met before they can go out and and take risks. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and um, I was thinking it was ironically when I was married and had kids and had that full love and support of family in a new way for myself that I felt I had created, not just the one I was born from, that then I could start taking risks in my work and yeah. around money and that I could go out on that limb. I think that's so funny. I also think I was not built to be a lawyer either. It brought out, not that I, I was good at it, but it brought out the worst parts of me. And I was increasingly unhappy. And I think that is the key. You're right. If you're happy, then you're probably living an authentic life. And that if you're not, maybe that's the, the first indication. Yeah. I yeah. always think this thing about being nine years old, mm. like if you could just go back and talk to your nine-year-old self, like you would know what it is that lights you up. You know, it's like before you started feeling weird about your body yes, and before you started really caring what anybody thought, like nine-year-old kids are kind of weird. Yes. They've got like yeah. interests and they just follow their weird interests around. Yes. Um, I don't know. That should be our goal. Yeah, it back, should be. It's before the world tells you what you should be or like you said before, heartbreak or something else sort of forces you to tell yourself a different story than the exactly. one you knew when you were nine. And yeah. I was going to ask this later, but I feel like it goes here. I mean, because part of Sam's issue, or maybe it's what she has to do to deal with this heartbreak is she has to lie to herself. And you had this scene where she's talking to her father and he essentially says that, I think you lie to yourself a lot. And that scene, oh my that God, scene. because Oof. it wow. just killed me for so many reasons. I mean, we always talk in life about lying and telling the truth and in relationships and is that good or bad? But what about the lies we tell ourselves yeah. unknowingly, really? I mean, I don't think people, they don't know they're doing it and it's sometimes a defense mechanism. Sometimes it's just like a reframe to make something better. But you if you don't know you're lying to yourself, then you can build a whole narrative built on this lie. And someone yeah. like her father has to say to her, you know, what are you doing? And so what talk to us about that scene and, and what you were exploring with that? Because I think well, it you know, goes it makes me think heartbreak. of another scene, actually, I, um, there's a scene speaking of the reframing, where she's just in her head, and she's thinking about, you know, how passionate it was with Wyatt when she was younger. And now she has this very sensible relationship with Jack. And the only difference is that she was young then, and now she's a grown up. But the truth that we know as readers is that it was just right with Wyatt and it's not right with Jack. But there's that reframing that you do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the whole thing with her father, you know, her father plays a, a role in her heartbreak mm -hmm. and coming back to him, um, she's been holding him hostage for mm. a number of years um, and coming back to him and kind of admitting that she's vulnerable and that she's wrong also is part of her healing and it's part of his healing. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit too, since we brought up the dad, uh, Sam's dad. This is a bigger story. It's not just about Sam. We're really focused on her, but mm -hmm. it's a Wyatt story too. But it also is the whole family story because, yeah. and I, again, we'll be vague to avoid spoilers, but their breakup, as you've already mentioned, kind of was initiated in some ways by their families. But 
my reading is it's really their choices and the way they act in the wake of you know their families that caused their breakup or is that a chicken or the egg kind of question for you do you think it's what happened outside of them or do you think it's what they did with it and then also i want to talk more about why you added this family of origin element to the story which i loved yeah. Okay, well, the first part is I just think it's all a chicken and an egg. Yeah. I think family <laughs> is an organism. Mm. And yeah. everything that happens to every person in a family affects all the people. It is very, and I, I feel like this in my family, like we're all feeling all of each other's stuff all the time. And I think that you actually have to be like an organism that cuts off a limb and be very deliberate to stop feeling your family's stuff because yeah. it's all just in there, Yeah. Uh, particularly mm. when you're all living together. Mm. Um, and I think there is the experience where like something can happen between a couple of people in the family and they resolve it, but the other people in the family didn't resolve it. Yeah. And they, maybe every, they didn't even get a chance to think about resolving it because it, especially yeah. when you're younger, it doesn't feel like it's yours to resolve. Yeah. But that's not true. Yeah. 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 But to yeah. answer your other yeah. question, the whole thing about the, the family of origin in this, the father arc was really important to me. And I've said this in interviews before, but my original idea for this book was just sort of a knockoff of the Philadelphia story. Do you guys yeah. know that movie? No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's Catherine Hepburn. It's 1940. She goes home to her parents' house to get married. Her ex-husband's living next door. So that's kind of where I started. Um, we got way off track from that. It ends up not looking anything like Philadelphia Story. But I was thinking about that. And one of the things I loved, um, there's this problem with her father throughout the movie. And at the very end, he says to her, Tracy, step down off that pedestal. Like, stop it. You know, stop being this person who is so invulnerable and just be a person again. And it's a really moving moment. And I think that's why her father plays such a big role in this book. I just wanted to recreate that kind of healing. Yeah, well, you did. I have, I have never seen the Philadelphia story, but that you scene. Yeah, the, I, now I will. And that scene mm -hmm. in the book, though, with her, Sam and her father felt like, a real it, yeah. there was such a weight and an energy to that scene so i can see it's it's influences getting into this book well thank mm. you yeah and uh you know this makes sense because corinne and i are both well my father's passed away but we're very close with our fathers and i feel like that's something mm -hmm. you could correct me if i'm wrong corinne that maybe a conversation i could have with my father that i would never have had with my mother and that would be the person that would have needed to say what he said to her mm. and I would have heard it or received it from him. And so it really resonated for me. And I think Sam in particularly given the other facts we're not disclosing here, I think it was really important that he be the one to have that conversation with her. Oh, that's so beautiful um, to hear. Agreed. Yeah. Mm. It was yeah. perfect. I'll tell you something else. that's kind of funny about the father's storyline for anybody who hasn't read the book. He's an artist and he had mm -hmm. some commercial success um, selling these paintings, a line of paintings, which is why they have a beach house, right? But for 20 years, he has not been able to sell anything else. And, you know, financially, the family is not doing well. Creatively, he's rather frustrated. Um, so it's just kind of a backstory in the book. Last week, I got a message um, on Instagram from this wonderful writer in Canada. Her name's Maggie North. You should have her. Her book comes out next year. Oh, it's so okay. good. good. Rules okay. for Second Chances. It's such a good book. 
Um, And she said, I think it's so interesting how your book is a metaphor for writing the second novel. (gasps) (laughs) And I said, Maggie, did you mean to message me? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) And then I thought about it. And of course, the whole time I was writing this book, I'm terrified because I'm writing my second novel. People Mm -hmm. liked my first novel. This one's probably terrible. And I put all that angst about not being able to do it again into the father without even realizing it. Oh, writer subconscious. It is crazy. I was going to ask you that later on because we've had a string of authors coming back after their first. We had Ashley Audrain, also Canadian authors, Carly Fortune, and we've talked to them about this, the pressure of a first successful novel and how you write in its wake. And so that is fascinating. That's it's the worst. Yeah. I'm not kidding. <laughs> They've all said that. That is it's been the worst. And my editor told me, she said, you're going to get really in your head about this. Yeah. And I was like, good yeah. God, that that is not a place where good things happen. Um, <laughs> I do not know how I'm going to do this. And I did get very much in my head until I figured out who Sam was, and then mm. I just started having fun with it. But yeah, boy, right. were were there moments of panic? Love yeah, that. That is what they. It's all very say, reassuring so. to hear as a as writers because mm-hmm. you are afraid that when it feels difficult, it's wrong. But I think sometimes yes. it's just part of the process to leveling up and getting to another place. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's just your you're your own worst enemy. I mean, always when you start to have fear, like. To, to be creative in the face of fear is not something that I can do. I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. So I have to just get my figure out a way to get myself comfortable so mm-hmm. that I can actually do something. Right. And In- invite the fear to leave so I can work. Yes. Oh, yes, I love that. Exactly. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So we got to go to Wyatt and Sam here. Well, and music. So it's all connected. There's such a connection generally, I think, between music and memories. I don't know if you're an Eric Church fan, but there is a great song called Springsteen. And he has a line, funny how a melody sounds like a memory. Ooh. And it's, it's such a great song. Um, very nostalgic, very good for Sam and Wyatt, actually. But for Sam, that also connects her to him because he's a musician and a songwriter. So her memories of first love that are already imprinted in one's brain are also linked to music and the sound of his guitar. I mean, when she's at her house and just hears that coming from the treehouse, I mean, so I know you joked in your acknowledgments, like to your girlfriends, like, don't go look, there's no ex in your past who had a guitar. And you joked that you're glad your husband doesn't play guitar because then someone might have scooped him up first. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I mean, there's really something about a love interest who's creative in this way. I know it's not just me. I am particularly obsessed with it, but clearly it's a thing. I don't think there's anything more romantic than someone writing a song for you. I wouldn't know. No one's ever wrote one for me. Corinne might have a different story, Um, but I just think it's just like the pinnacle of someone seeing you and feeling connected to you if they can then put that into the lyrics of a song. So talk to us about Wyatt and this connection between first love and music and memories. Yeah, I've had a lot of like summer love and young love and all like I have all those feelings. I don't know that I personally ever have dated anyone creative. 
Um, mm. My husband is an accountant. Yeah. True story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, like, I don't connect in that way, but there is this idea that I like of him having seen her for who she really was. You know, when you know somebody forever, you you don't look to them for their accomplishments or what they've done. You look to them because you knew who they were, like the essence of who they were before they started hiding right. it. Yeah. And then I just wanted him to be a songwriter. What I really wanted was for him to be a very successful person without her knowing it. Mm-hmm. And so he couldn't be a rock star right. because she would know. But if right. you think about it, you don't know who wrote most yeah. of the songs you like. You Correct. just know who performed them. So he mm-hmm. could still be a person who was flying very much under the radar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just got to know him. Um, you know, I, I loved his, you know, battle with his learning disability mm-hmm. and – I loved his struggle with his family, and I, I don't know, I just fell in love with this kid. Yeah. I mean, people keep asking me, would you date Leo or Wyatt? I get that <laughs> everywhere I go. Ooh. Um, and? It's not even a contest. Like, Wyatt all day. All day. All day. All day. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I think I, like I would that. go with Wyatt, too, but I do, like I said, admittedly, have a huge thing for songwriters, and again, I've never dated anyone creative, let alone a songwriter. So yeah, I, no, it I must just be. A I thing. did, and now that I'm thinking about, I've always wanted to write a book with the lead as a song, just because I always pull from my own experiences. My books are not me, but I pull from my own experiences. Now I'm like, oh boy, is someone going to go dig it around in my past for that one? <laughs> I don't know well, about yeah. it. First of all, I mean, it is a. We should just accept this. Everybody thinks that everyone in your book is them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, if I get one more time, I can't believe you wrote a book about me. Yes. I'm like, yes. no, yes. no, yes. didn't think yes. of you the whole time I was typing. <laughs> yeah. um, but people who are close to you will think that's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, all yeah. right. I'll have to think about that. Oh, yeah. I want to. I want to also talk about fate versus free will because you Ooh. have all, you have all these little little nuggets um some lines in there that talk about uh this idea and well let me read first if that's okay i'll read a little bit wow and you aren't going there with she's me she's like no we'll go we'll go she's like hmm. when i think of jack with his perfectly shaved face and aqua blue eyes i wonder at the improbability of the two of us ending up together sometimes i follow this train of thought in the middle of the night watching him sleep the sleep of a man who's worked a full day and exercised twice and then a little later uh, in that same page the million times i've traced back what brought wyatt and me together i get as far as my dad's painting current and making all that money so he could buy this house Again, later, I am overwhelmed thinking of all the factors beyond my control that have conspired to change the course of my life. Hmm. That is what I want to talk about. I mean, that is the reality, but also are there accidents? Are there like, you know, this is it feels like sometimes like it couldn't be an accident that things line up when they're supposed to and how they're supposed to. Was that an intentional kind of theme? Because I won't give away the end either, but there's a moment. Yeah, there's a moment at the end when when it feels clear to Sam which one wins out for her fate or free will, I guess the choice. Was that something you were exploring? Maybe subconsciously? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I because I am I'm not like Sam really. Um, like I can barely swim. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess I snuck in there in that particular instance. I think she does that mm-hmm. twice in the book where she's mm-hmm. like thinking. thinking about- I think that stuff all the time. Yes. Uh, okay. My husband was going to be a doctor. He was pre-med and then he decided not to be a doctor for some really random reasons. And I think if he had become a doctor, I never would have met him. And then we would never have been in school together. And then I think, uh, but maybe I would have gone to him as a doctor and then he couldn't have dated me and then I wouldn't have my children. Yeah. Like I, I would do this, this is like 3 a.m. I do yes. this all the time. Okay, good. Yes. Um, yeah, no. I, I, raise your hand if you're up at 3 a.m. We should all call each other. <laughs> yes. No, that oh part God. I'm not. Sorry, that yeah. part I'm not. But the yeah. thinking these thoughts. Yes. Absolutely. But, but I also, um, so that is very much me sneaking into that character. But it also is sort of shows how, like, she's trying to be very deliberate. Yeah. And she's trying to make all of her decisions. And these thoughts are kind of her inner belief that maybe everything is not within her control. Yes, right. Um, yes. Because I really, I mean, I believe, you know, certainly I believe in free will, but I just believe there's so much stuff. I mean, when I look at my life, yeah. I'm like, how did this all that's end up this It's not way? an accident. Like, that's, yeah. Nothing's an yes. accident. You know, there's somebody yes. pulling for me. I love that. Yeah. Annabelle, my husband was pre-med. He was a biology major, was pre-med. And for no reason, no discernible reason, he went to law school, which is where we met. So- See? <laughs> I mean, that is wild. wild. That is so wild. wild. I mean, what an amazing moment of decision that was. Yeah. Changes everything. It yeah. really does. And by the way, we still tell it as a story. No one in law school, no, and he's a practicing attorney. He practices entertainment law, is a biology major. Whenever right. people know that about yeah, him, like, that's unusual. what happened? <laughs> yeah. No, but my husband had like a year of pre-med. And so now he thinks he's a doctor. <laughs> Oh. He, will, he will diagnose anything that's wrong with you guys. So just call him. Okay, call awesome. Him. awesome. He'll also do your taxes. Can, but he gives you my taxes too. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's actually a very handy guy to have around. I mean, I know the guitar is romantic, but hey, I mean, no. the taxes. Yeah, he's worth his weight in gold. Oh, I love oh, that. Oh my God, that. that is so great. Yeah. Um, I did, I, I wanted to ask this earlier, but you, you mentioned it. So just quickly, like with the structure, you mentioned that you went back and forth on how to write this, it sounds like many times. And, you know, because it is the story of their first love, but you, you could have chosen to tell it in a lot of different ways, but you did the past and the present and both their points of view, which I think is the reader, clearly, was the way to go because we really feel it with them contemporaneously and then uh, back in time. So, Sounds like you went through many drafts to figure this out. And how did you ha- know that that's where you were yeah. supposed to land? It just um, well, I have yeah. a trial and error. Yes. Yeah, I, um, uh, my editor is she's like a genius. Yeah, she's not a normal person. No, she she's really like, is. Right, she's a genius. <laughs> I think um, everyone in the industry knows her. Yeah, yeah and she's also <laughs> the most patient person um, that I've ever come across. So mm-hmm. we just did this a lot of times, um, yeah. and I, you know. My great strength is my ability to say, okay, like she'll say, why don't you do it, write it all from Wyatt's perspective? And then in the next draft, she says, go back to the way it was. And I just say, okay, because that was actually a really good um, exercise. And so where we landed, I think, was it's mostly from Sam's perspective because it's Sam's Mm -hmm. story. But we needed to have Wyatt's perspective for the buy-in to how important this relationship was to him. Yeah. 
And then I decided really without thinking about it that the current, the present day chapters would be first person and the past chapters would be third person from her perspective. And that was mainly because I didn't trust her as she is today to tell us what that relationship was like. Oh, I love that. You know, she's lying to herself so much. And you think about if you just, you talked about the boy you were in love with when you were 16, you're just gonna say, oh yeah, no, he was cute. Like you're you're not gonna go back to what it really felt like in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I needed to make it, a, have a little distance yes. so that she could tell it how it really was. That was very effective for that distance. Yeah. And it makes sense for the past. You're like, we're looking back on it with, with some time and space. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. And I will say, by the time this book was done, that I turned in the last draft, I was cross-eyed. And <laughs> I I said to my editor, I don't know what this book is anymore. I, I'm, I don't, she said, no, it's good. And yeah. I'm like, I can't, I don't even, I was so confused by the passage of time and the back and forth and who said what when it's very confusing yeah so but it doesn't read that way no not at all it's flawless (laughs) but it does it takes a lot of work is your point i think to get it right and oh my gosh yeah yeah so i'm not going to ask you to tell us about book three but are you going through the same like machinations of how to tell the story or was this one that clicked in a different way or where? No. So I said to Tara, my beautiful editor, I said, hey, guess what? Next book, we're going to start in the beginning and we're going to end at the end. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just yeah. do it all in one straight line next time. <laughs> uh, so I'm giving my brain a rest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this story actually, it took me a while to figure out uh, what the story is. Um, it's about a professional organizer whose life is a total mess. Mm. Uh, and she is trying to, after losing her mother, after getting divorced, She's trying to get things back on track um, and decides that she's going to have one last summer romance. And then oh. a bunch of stuff happens. Good. That's my elevator pitch. Yes. All right. I, I love this. Hear you guys. Yes. And that was pretty good I, for a, a teaser. Yes. That was your teaser pitch. That's I love that. I love so that. I'm finishing that for July. It's almost there. Um, it's almost there. Oh, wow. Good. Good. Wow. Very exciting. And I know after all that work and breaking your brain, I always wonder whether it upsets authors to hear this but i read your book in one day and then read it again the other day and couldn't put it down and stayed i don't stay up late and i don't i'm not up at 3 a.m but i did it again i I, there is has i hope you take that as the compliment is i am not like that if there i literally could not put it down twice not just once like i I knew what happened the best compliment that's the okay, best. Okay, good. 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 Yes, I don't that is. Break your brain and think I, but I just couldn't. I couldn't stop twice. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. yeah, that is that is the happiest thing that I can hear. No. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yes. Excellent. And about before so, we, oh, go ahead. are you going to yeah. do loving no, before you yeah. leave? Yeah. Is there anything that you are currently um, enjoying? Books, movies, TV shows. Anything that you are that's filling up that creative well for you that you want to share. I cannot tell you the last time I watched a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yes, You're a little busy. Not allow for showers, movies, <laughs> or TV shows. These days. Um, I am currently reading uh, Social Engagement by mm. Avery Carpenter Foray. Have you guys read that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such yeah. fun. We had um, yes. I guess yeah. to see her tomorrow. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really fun, really well done, and really smart. Um, yes. I also re- recently loved On Fire Island by Jane L. Oh, Rosen. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just, uh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it, it's told from a perspective that is so unexpected, and you think, how in the world is this going to work? But it does. Mm. It's great. Fire yeah, Island Fire is having I, a moment. I, I was is just going to say that. There are three books out right now. Oh, there's got to be more Fire than that. Island. But well, but them. they just post a lot. Yeah, yeah. we have two. Come, we had one on Kismet, yeah. and then we have another one. The Bad Summer People is the yeah. Title oh, is that on Fire Island? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's set on Fire Island, and then the the one you're talking about, and like we're both from Long Island, me and uh, Corinne, and we when we had on the author of Kismet, we both said, and we didn't know this about each other, that we've never been to Fire Island. I mean, we it's live not hard our to whole get there. Lives. <laughs> it's just we've that's never crazy. been, and it's been really. Either, <laughs> I know, but it's having a moment. It, <laughs> it really is. It's is. Having a so you know what else is having a moment? We're going to make it there. Octopus. Octopi? Is that how you say it? Well, besides a, that one what? book, is there another octopus? There, there are several. Um, oh. read, I think one is out today. Sea Change? <laughs> no, it's been out for a little while. Sea Change? Um, yeah, no, there's actually a, quite a few. It's very bizarre. It's so weird. Yes. Um, the way you know, things... Whenever, the collective unconscious <gasps> or yes. whatever it is. Isn't it wild? Uh, sometimes if I have an idea, I try not to think about it too loud. <laughs> because oh, I don't I'm keep this know, one to myself. <laughs> you know, Emily Henry's gonna get my idea if I think about it too loud. <laughs> She'll do it better and faster. I don't stop. know if you've read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She would oh, yes, say that that is that. true. <laughs> that that, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what happened thing. to her, right? Yes. The yeah. wild, wild yeah. situation. Yeah, wild. Yeah. I believe in it. Yes, yes. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Annabelle. It is always such a pleasure. Always. We clearly loved the book. And, thank you. And I don't know how everything brings me back to Erica Berry, but it's also a huge compliment. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's, are you kidding? That is the hugest compliment and the best movie. So, yes. Uh, good. Yeah, good. thank you. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. I hope we get to do this next year. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. So we can't mm-hmm. wait.